I used to drive all over town for low prices, but now I let Walmart's incredible new Savings Catcher do the work for me. I just enter my Walmart receipt online and Savings Catcher does the rest. It compares the prices I paid for items at Walmart with advertised prices from other top stores in my area. And if Savings Catcher finds a lower advertised price, Walmart gives me the difference on an e-gift card. Now that's my kind of work. Introducing Savings Catcher from Walmart. Go to walmart.com slash savings catcher for details. Eligible items only. Restrictions apply. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, After Buzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads from over 200 countries and your number one source in after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome into the Manhattan After Show right here on AfterBuzzTV.com, Season 1, Episode 6, called Acceptable Limits. Thankfully, Marissa and I are both here for a show. It's been a couple weeks. I was solo two weeks ago. You were solo last week. I know your solo experience was just as wonderful as mine. Uh, Yes, it was. And by wonderful, I mean probably a little tedious. It was riveting, I'll say. Thank God we're back. Marissa Serafini, I'm Bobby DeMiro. Hello, everybody. Um... Let's jump into it today. Absolutely. No time to waste, right? Because no. there's two of us. We actually have something to talk about. <laughs> and let's start today. We've got a lot to do. We've got a couple uh, live reads to do in the middle of that. But let's start off with Fritz. Uh, poor Fritz. Poor Fritz. Hashtag, hashtag poor Fritz. <laughs> poor Fritz. If you're on Twitter, that's the hashtag of the after show. This guy, clearly in love with Jeannie. Um, um, I'm, I mean... In love, definitely puppy love. I'm not sure because you know we know Fritz is probably still a virgin. Yeah, which, oh, it definitely is. So he d- has not had a lot of life experience with relationships and stuff. So he doesn't really. This is a newfound feeling for him, and he doesn't know what to do with themselves. And it's he is, cute. and he's taken, and she's a cute girl, and she's a yeah. nice girl, and sure she has this whole prostitute side, but whatever, we'll overlook that. We can look at that. Yeah, as long as there's no... They joked about syphilis in this episode. As long as there's no syphilis with Jeannie, Mm -hmm. let Fritz do his thing. We want him to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two fifty in that time period, $2, $2.25, whatever... I, it's got it's a little steep, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I As, mean, but it's funny how they're still putting a price cap on his love, so-called love. And that's and that's I think the most heartbreaking thing to me. And there's so much to talk with him about, and we'll get to plutonium in a second. But let's start with Jeannie because it's so heartbreaking that he's so clearly in love with her, and she likes him. She may not love him. Maybe no. she's manipulating she, him like she a might client. Be infatuated. Exactly. But, but that's it. But I think there's some kind of connection there more than just a regular client. Because mm-hmm. what kind of what kind of a prostitute? Excuse. I know she's also has a job but what kind of a kind of sideline prostitute is going to entertain a client with no sex and just hang out and just and actually take the nice tedious time to cut pp and j corners for him exactly the way fritz likes you start making people sandwiches and it's real i mean that's true love yeah that is true 100 percent time totally true love especially when rations are small (laughs) on those (laughs) so she likes him on some level he definitely is infatuated with her as we can see with him dealing with uh frank early on in the episode mm-hmm. they're yeah. experimenting they're in the lab and fitz is like you know when you fell in love with liza was it immediate like einstein's theory of relativity and frank's like yeah. no that took a couple of years pal let's yeah. get back to the work <laughs> but the fact that fritz is even asking is like how did you deal with being in love and like that first feeling that you kind of know something's happening yeah yeah i mean it's cute for him i'm really happy for yeah, the guy the innocence is great i don't think it's gonna work out 
No. But for right it's now... Doomed. No, and it's doomed. And the most heartbreaking scene is when she gives him the sandwich, when she was waiting for him all night and he couldn't come and he was working and whatever, he runs out, sees her, she gives him the sandwich, he's so excited to see her, and she's like, so that'll be 250 yeah, and uh, my heart was just like, like oh, um, <laughs> poor <no>. guy. <laughs> like I understand, I'm not knocking her. That's her quote unquote job or side hustle. Right. But poor guy. Yeah, but it's, <sighs> because we see that you know Fritz is really all into it, and he's like literally losing his mind over her. And then the fact that she doesn't really reciprocate the exact same feelings to that extent that Fritz is. I mean, it's a little sad. And Helen is swimming in it. We'll talk about Helen in a second. She's swimming in men and infatuation and whatever, and yeah. she's very casual about it we're not dating whatever blah blah mm-hmm. and meanwhile fritz like finally has one girl and he's like thank you yeah you know i thought Scott earlier said. i thought last episode when we first saw fritz go after talk about virginity and stuff i thought he was going to go after helen when they went to her room and all that sort of right. stuff and i thought that was going to be the obvious play and she was going to give him a pity thing that was good editing though. it was good and she kind of turned left on him which in at the time i was sad about but now that we've seen what's going on i'm a little happier for him i yeah, think genie's the right move i think genie's a better safer smart for especially for fritz who is a virgin who is very vulnerable and knowing who helen is as a person how she sleeps around with men that yeah. like he she would not be the best first person to sleep with for Fritz. I wonder what is Fritz's holdup in not sleeping with Jeannie. He's paying for it. He's infatuated with her. She's at some level interested in him. The look she gave him when he asked about taking her out or whatever, that wasn't just an annoyed look, hey, as long as you pay me. She was infatuated mm-hmm. with him on some level and thought he was at least like cute if she wasn't actually liking him. Why why the hold up for Fritz? I know he's nervous. I know it's been a while, but wouldn't you want to like no pun intended get it in? Um I wouldn't say get it in right away. I mean, a lot of people take it slow, that's fine. But But with a prostitute him, you're paying? Prostitute. <laughs> yes, but maybe she actually, you know, does we see that she kind of likes Fritz, maybe she wants to take it slow too in a way. So I think it's just like you know, let's see how it goes. We build up a relationship and start to know each other before getting it in. And maybe this is just me being pessimistic. That's the worst phrase I could have used, by the way. <laughs> maybe this is just being me, pe- me being pessimistic and jaded about love. But perhaps Jeannie, as wholesome as she looks to us for being a prostitute, as wholesome as she seems to us in a lot of ways, maybe she's playing Fritz and knows that if she has sex with him, that'll be what he wants. He'll be like, okay, I'm there. That's what I wanted. I'm good now. And mm-hmm. he'll go. But if she can keep him paying her to just hang out with him, she'll she'll work this hustle as long as it takes and then have sex with him months down the road if that's what it takes and it'll make her 250 every time. And I think it's also Fritz's way that he, maybe he just wants to build a relationship. Maybe he is old-fashioned. He doesn't want to just, you know, sleep with someone and actually, but actually get to know them beforehand. I know you don't watch Masters of Sex on Showtime. I do that after show. Great show. Very, very similar storyline in that show with a character very overweight, very likable, but not very smooth with the ladies, who mm-hmm. finally finds a woman who is a prostitute, falls in love with her, is infatuated with her, and it's an interesting dynamic of this relationship where the girl is far more worldly sexually than the guy. Masters of Sex takes place in the late 50s, early 60s. This is obviously World War II. But in those time periods, stereotypically speaking, I know reality was different, but stereotypically the guy was going to be more worldly than the girl. The girl should Mm -hmm. be pure. The girl should be chaste. You know, whatever. Um, That's not the case with this relationship. And Jeannie's probably a little more worldly. Sexually speaking, Fritz obviously knows nothing. So the dynamic is cool. The dynamic is different. I like it a lot. I like the relationship a lot. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I wonder if they will actually take it to the next level where they actually do sleep together. Or even kiss. Yeah. They can't just 
do this humongous buildup, but not for not to see anything. Well, if Fritz keeps swallowing plutonium, they can. He's going to die. Um, and that's the transition point, I guess, with the other storyline with Fritz. He functioned very highly into this episode, is the plutonium. And Genie is the transition point because Genie makes him so tired, makes him so uh, unfocused that he makes mistakes in the lab. And, and I don't know what specific mistake he made when he was doing that. I don't think we saw anything too specific. But just the idea was he didn't look at something. He overlooked something. Thing, whatever it was, some plutonium gets out and he ends up swallowing it. Yeah, I think he was just, he was going through the motions and at the first when he was dealing with the solution he wasn't wearing gloves. I'm like, um, if you're dealing with I don't know, no gloves, no goggles, no nothing. You use yeah. some scientific protection for that. But then, you know, they had the gloves when he was opening up the whatever it was. But it shows that he was, yes, he was tired. He wasn't really thinking of all the steps that he was going and all the precautions that he could have taken. And then after literally just taking it out of whatever that heater was, the Bunsen butter or something like that, that he didn't, he just opened it up. He didn't allow it to cool or however you use, you know, materials in that way. So I don't think he was just thinking clearly. And the fact that he wasn't even supervised, he was literally by himself yeah. in that room. That also bothered me. I'm like, if you're going to use highly expensive and radioactive material, you should definitely have at least two people in the room so you, you can always monitor what's going to go on. If something like an emergency like this happens. And not only that, but it kind of sucks that Fritz is the guy who is fatigued and makes the mistake. And I know why we obviously had him do it for separate reasons with Jeannie and with the work itself. But Frank Winter's been working himself to the bone. He never sleeps. We know Frank has issues with seeing things to begin with, and we know Frank has had fatigue issues before. So in some reasons, in some levels, Frank should have been the guy to mess up. Frank's the Mm -hmm. most tired. Frank's the most stressed. Frank is the one burning the most midnight oil. He's the one who should have messed up. It was Fritz, which is tough because if Frank had messed up, it would have changed the dynamic of the relationship with Akeley and Oppenheimer and the team. Yeah, the whole group in general. They put their project in jeopardy again. Yeah. Exactly, but but this time when Fritz messes up, Fritz, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but he could potentially be a very easy scapegoat, just like Sid Lau was kind of a scapegoat in some yeah. ways. Easy there with your microphone. <laughs> just like Sid <laughs> Lau was a scapegoat in some ways, Fritz can be a scapegoat. Whereas if Frank had messed up, there would have been a different situation to deal with. But it's Fritz. We wrote it specifically as Fritz, so it's going to be. I, I, want, I don't want to say more casual, but potentially down the road, it'd be much easier to get rid of him. Yeah, and I exactly for those points that I wonder why they chose Fritz other over any other you know pe- persons in that group. So maybe it was the comedic element that they brought because we see him interacting with the guys every once in a while. They get a laugh out of it. It's like, hey, he ingested plutonium. So I don't know if it was for the comedic element for the show, just for storytelling in general. And I mean, obviously the character development. I think not that we've grown tired of Frank yet, but if everything's about Frank, we are going to get tired of Frank. Yeah. So we've seen the British guy. When they went out, you know, hiking, when the car broke down, they had to hike back. We've seen Meeks when Meeks dealt with, um, his name just slipped my mind, but the military policeman who killed Sid Lau. We've Dunlavey. seen Dunlavey, thank yeah. you. And we're starting to see Helen, the other team member, and I assume we're going to see a lot more of Helen next week and beyond. So we need to develop Fritz's character too, so this is a good point to put him in. Mm-hmm. It just sucks to me, like, Fritz is such a likable guy. There's a lot of thorns to Frank. If yeah. Frank had been fatigued and made a mistake, we'd be sitting here and be like, I told you, of course he made the mistake. But when Fritz does it, it's like, oh, I feel bad for the guy. He's yeah. in love. And I think it's also because Frank is so experienced in life and he knows all those things, it would make kind of wouldn't make sense if Frank did make those mistakes. Like, you know better. But Fritz is very, very green um, compared to everyone else. He doesn't have a lot of life experience, so it would make sense that he would be the one to make a mistake. Yeah. We'll see with Fritz. I don't know. We got more to talk about him. We're going to transition. Before we transition, though, guys, uh, 
We've been talking about Walmart a lot recently on Manhattan. We're fortunate that Walmart's sponsoring here on AfterBuzz and specifically on Manhattan. They've got a new program called Savings Catcher. Very simple, easy way to save. Um, so instead of driving all over town and going to like XYZ box store, go to Walmart, go home after you buy all your stuff or whatever, enter your Walmart receipt, and if any eligible item you purchased was advertised for a lower price at a top store in your area besides Walmart, so if you could have saved money elsewhere, Walmart Savings Catcher is going to give you an e-gift card for the difference. So if you could have saved 30 bucks overall in your receipt. You're going to get an e-gift card for 30 bucks to shop at Walmart. You enter the receipt online, or you can use the Walmart app on your iPhone or any other phone you might have. Savings Catcher does all the work, and it is guaranteed. It does the work for you. So you get everyday low prices from Walmart. You get the best deals from everywhere else in your area. And uh, you can start with Savings Catcher today. That's great. Shopping made easy. Shopping and made easy. it being the Labor Day weekend, it's perfect time to shop. I know. The end of Labor Day weekend, which we yeah. celebrated by being in here. <laughs> yeah, uh, Walmart.com slash Savings Catcher. Enter your receipt there. And again, I mean, we say it every week, but thank you to Walmart for sponsoring us on AfterBuzz, for sponsoring Manhattan specifically. I know they reached out specifically to this show which feels good for us that's awesome yes. so thank you very much for them for doing that walmart.com slash savings catcher so there you go great all right let's catch a little bit of charlie now hmm, as i charlie. call him his new nickname chizix 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 charlie isaacs I'll, ca- I'll still call him charlie <laughs> that's fine i'll call him charlie too he's just that's like my off-air nickname for him is chizix um, which, by the way, before we get to Charlie, my one note I do have on my note sheet here, in all capital letters, plutonium in Fritz. That's pretty simple. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. That makes <laughs> What sense. happened in the show today? Well, plutonium, plutonium in Fritz. In Fritz. <laughs> um, so let's go to Charlie. Charlie now, we see him getting poked and prodded early on in the show. We know that they have a bunch of physical exams and stuff. And he says, what's going on? You know, you never examined me this much. And we learn that he is going to go to Tennessee. And there is, in real life, in World War II, obviously Los Alamos was a base where they were doing this. There's also a base in Clinton, Tennessee, where they were doing the same kind of thing. They were working on atomic bombs and fission and nuclear reactors and stuff like that. Well, in Tennessee, there were like three different site locations for plutonium plantations, the actual buildings that helped generate plutonium. So that was where Tennessee was really located. And that's where Charlie's going. Clinton, Oak Ridge, and... And Knoxville didn't really approve it, so that's why I went to Oak Ridge. Which is all East Tennessee. If you've never been in that country, it's kind of hill country, East Tennessee, Appalachian Mountains, very rural. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have heard of, like, the Oak Ridge Boys, like the the music group. But very rural, very hilly, the Great Smoky Mountain kind of area, beautiful Mm -hmm. area. But that's what we're talking about here, and that's where Charlie and Helen go. Uh, They fake it as being a married couple. What I found interesting was (laughs) they fake it as being a married couple to the airline. Totally understand. But they also fake it as being a married couple in Tennessee. you think they would have cut the crap there and said, we're from Los Alamos. We can't maybe tell you all that we're doing, but here's why we're here. We're scientists. And because I feel like the Tennessee people kind of saw through them anyways. Yeah, and you know what? I, I got also questioned it too. I don't get why they still kept the family dynamic when they probably would have been taken more seriously knowing that they were two well, you know, well-established scientists instead of a married couple. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe even give them fake names, but, but, yeah, but lay the out that, that they're like, scientists. They're, yeah. The validation that they are just scientists and they don't have a romantic relationship going on, that had nothing to do with what their operation was going on. Exactly. And, and, and the, the issue for me too with this is it was so contentious between them and the Tennessee folks. That leader in Tennessee is a jerk, man. Ah, He's going to be a jerk next week too. Very pompous. But it's so contentious with the Tennessee folks and with Charlie and Helen. 
and hierarchy is such an issue. Charlie and Helen is like, this order comes from the guy who hired the guy who hired the guy who hired your boss. It's a whole bureaucratic system. I mean, yeah. it's not just at this place. I mean, we'll see it with Frank's story, but like the whole bureaucratic system of how the government runs. Yeah. Even to this day. But like even back in that time when they're trying to do something as serious as Manhattan Project and get all these nuclear bombs off the ground, you know, it's just like, all, all these steps and loopholes that they have to go through. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, and I understand, but at the same time, it's like, if it's so bureaucratic, if it's such a pissing contest, my boss is better than your boss, my mm-hmm. boss is better than your boss, blah, blah, blah. Why not just come clean about who you are? This is where I come from. These are my credentials. This is where I am. I'm not maybe going to tell you exactly what I'm doing. Los Alamos is very secretive, and I'm sure Tennessee is too. But this is who I am. This is what I know. you got to listen to me. Because if Charlie and Helen had been allowed to come in and do that, they might have had a little easier time in Tennessee. Or if Tennessee had been ordered to let them come in and do that, mm-hmm. wherever the bureaucracy messed up here, something ain't right. Yep, no, I completely agree. But basically, the big story of this is Tennessee is not safe. They're trying to go, the X-10 reactor is trying to go live, like, the next day, and they're not ready. I think Helen yep. said, what was it, 22 different safety standards they didn't meet, or 22 recommendations? 22, yeah. Yeah, so that doesn't just, sound ready. That's just 22, and like <laughs> the, and the fact that Helen was the one that caught the blueprints, um, they were completely misprinted and off by six inches, which is a great deal. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't think it, but that's a, a, a huge mistake in yeah. their, in the whole engineering of the whole place. So, I mean, I love how a woman pointed that out, and then you can see the, the whole woman, men power struggle there too, and be like, Okay, really, a woman's telling us this. Why is this legit? And the whole thing is minority-majority. It's exactly. Helen is the minority of female scientists in this time period, and it's Theodore, the black man, in the South, in this time period. The other thing going on in Clinton, Tennessee, in this time period, about 10 years after this, and they may have been in Oak Ridge, but in Clinton, Tennessee, about 10 years after this, there was a very, very famous desegregation case after Brown versus Board of Education, all those things. Mm-hmm. Clinton, Tennessee desegregated their public schools, and it was a huge issue. And and white power people came to town and agitated town, and they protested schools. And everything that happened at Little Rock Central that we all know in American history in the 50s about desegregation and black students being harassed going to public schools, yeah. the same thing happened in Clinton, Tennessee. And the reason I bring it up is Theodore the black scientist or the black executive, whatever he was, mm-hmm. and how he kind of is so subservient to the white tr- person in charge, the white leader. And then you've got, talk about pissing contests, you've got Helen the woman, Theodore the black man. They're probably the two smartest people the, the in the situation. The two people who actually know what's going on <laughs> and the extent of all the damage that they could p- yeah. potentially be doing. But because the the positions where they're at in life and are in the society is that they don't have the courage to really well i mean we kind of see helen actually but um theater didn't have that courage to speak up yeah. against people and even if he did voice his opinion no it one's going to listen to him it wasn't going to get hurt and you could see that when the leader the bad guy in tennessee who i still don't have his name the bald guy when the bald <laughs> guy in tennessee after theodore and helen are kind of agitating this in one of the meetings he walks up to charlie and he's like can i have a word and that's such a disrespectful thing it's like hey buddy white man to white man forget the black guy forget the woman let's talk white guy to white guy yeah. that's the most overt idea of this majority versus minority and thankfully charlie was like no nah, dude if my wife said it that's the way it is like yeah. you got to listen to the woman you know you should do a little more of this and i think that's where the only that line was the only reason why i accepted that the fact that they kept going on with their fake relationship was like hey this is my wife you better listen to it i mean i don't know if that did it help but i mean i didn't mind it at that time yeah 
Yeah. And he's not really quite listening to her because after these safety recommendations and the 22 and whatever, and Theodore mentioned they had taken care of one. They, like, took care of one building. But they still had, like, 21 to go. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and the guy was like, nope, the reactor goes live tomorrow. We're going to worry about all your safety stuff after the reactor goes live. Now, we know in American history that Oak Ridge or Clinton doesn't explode. It doesn't blow up. So something will happen unless they change the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the path that they are on in Tennessee is a dangerous one, and it should probably get off of it, yeah, and, to put it mildly. It, it's also interesting that they, they're adding all these provisions that a lot of the audience, general audience, wouldn't think that they had to go through before they can even execute all these procedures that are going on. So it makes sense in that way, and the fact that everything is so rushed and this um, back in this day, they're like they be Americans. Americans have to be the first one to get the plutonium to build this bomb to take on the other countries. So it's just like the whole time ticking time bomb that we have going on, and that that storyline. It makes sense why they're like, no, we're going to go tomorrow. We don't have time. Yeah, they don't have time, and they know they don't have time because the information that Cox gets that apparently probably other people know about the Germans being two months ahead. We'll talk about that and Frank and the war mm-hmm. effort and stuff in a little bit. But um, I guess my last question for you, and this gets into predictions, and we'll predict it later, but my last question for you is about Charlie and Helen, because Charlie has some tough situations going on on the home front. Abby's still skeptical that he cheated his way around, he uh-huh. cheated his way, not necessarily in relationships yet, but that but he cheated his way. she's questioning exactly. Charlie. And that's the thing, and once you start questioning somebody, once you have just that inkling of this Doubt. person's this way, then it, it, it everything festers, and mm-hmm. you never know. You know what I mean? You don't get the text message from your boyfriend or girlfriend last night, a couple days ago it wouldn't have mattered, but once the doubt creeps in, now you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah even if it's the wrong. Fact that, yeah, and now the fact that Charlie is literally away from his wife, mm-hmm. there is a physical separation or rift between them. I mean, that even adds more to what's going on. And Abby has been told that Helen is with him. Do you remember what Abby, when she was there and yeah, she looked at him and that whatever? woman from the other team. She knows. Yeah, Abby knows. And, and, and you know women better than I do. Women are threatened about everything about other women all the time if I've it's learned anything. It's still a common thing. Yeah, so Abby's going to be threatened. Abby's going to be insecure. We see in the coming attractions that Abby may uh, act on that in a way that's maybe not so good for herself. No. But in not the meantime, the relationship. in the meantime, sure. Charlie's got some problems ahead of him, and mm-hmm. it's and it has nothing to do with work. No, it doesn't. Poor guy. No, um, but what I mean, okay. Here's my question: But do you think Charlie would go through it, despite the fact that, like, where he right now his relationship is a little rocky? But we know if he goes through with it with Helen, Helen wouldn't think anything of it because that's the kind of person she is. But would Charlie do it? Here's the thing, Um, and and I hate to say this, I think Charlie very well might go through it because Helen is so heartless. And I don't mean heartless necessarily in a bad way. Helen is going to represent, or or I think she's going to represent, somebody, a woman in the 50s or one of the 40s, who has very progressive, very powerful sexual agency, which not a lot of women then did, or at least they didn't broadcast it. The stereotype we know is that they were more more kind of diminutive. Um, The reason I say that is Helen was so casual with that corporal in the car, and he was like, am I going to tell him I'm dating a genius? And she's like, 
we're not, we're dating. not dating. Like we're just screwing, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's so casual and so regimented and so black and white for her that if she can turn it on and off with that corporal, why couldn't she turn it on and off with Charlie? Okay. I've been with girls like this, not to talk about me, but if you can if you can turn it on and off like that, they don't have a conscience. And I don't and I'm not judging them and saying they're a bad person. Helen's not a bad person for doing that, but she doesn't have a conscience in the sense that to her it doesn't matter if doesn't Charlie's matter. married. They're in Tennessee, they're far but for away. Charlie doesn't matter. It matters for Charlie, but for Helen it's like this is a physical need i want this we'll get back to los alamos nothing's going to happen but for charlie that's the end of the world mm-hmm. you know or i think it would be the end of the world so what does he do how does he act on that ha, exactly yep it should be interesting how they're gonna portray it if it even happens well get into apparently from the so. previews i mean you saw that she kind of propositions him uh kind of you know but does it actually you know do they actually get through how many times that's are you telling people question. to go back to your that's hotel room that's the thing i yeah. mean like that's pretty direct Mm-hmm. That's really direct. If you're at a bar asking somebody to go back to your hotel room, there's not a lot of like leeway. Oh, I was talking about going back and like putting a puzzle together. Yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> sure. whatever. Re- reading the Bible that game. they put yeah, reading the Let's Bible that they put in the movie, in the cabinet. <laughs> Let's look at Netflix. Um, <laughs> Netflix I don't know. Nights. We'll see. Um, let's transition again to our last topic. Before we do that, guys, if you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. I know, Marissa, in a minute you are going to be doing YouTube comments. we got a bunch of good YouTube comments from people lately. Yeah. So if you're watching on YouTube, keep watching, keep commenting, do all that good stuff. I know we get tweets from a lot of people. Uh, but if you haven't yet, go subscribe on iTunes. If you're listening to the audio, you can rate us there. You can comment. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, I know not a lot of you guys probably like the solo shows, but hopefully we don't have any more of those. No, no, I think we're, we're good. Back. We got our ish together. Okay, good. I'm not going to Tennessee or anything. <laughs> no. I don't know about you. No. Um, but yeah, so all right, so let's talk about our last topic. Kind of a brief one, but it is a very important one, and it's the war effort more generally. Uh, the biggest issue, the biggest story from the war effort today is the fact that we learned the Germans are more than two months ahead of the Americans. They're not only two months ahead like Cox thought, but according to Frank looking at the equations, they are already testing yields, they're testing bombs and how powerful they are. They're way more than two months ahead. And, and from what all Frank and Cox and them know, the Germans are much closer to a bomb than the Americans are. That's a problem. That is a serious problem because I, I believed I mentioned it in last after show that because the Germans are so ahead, they actually had the physical bomb. It's just a matter of if it works or not. Americans had the theory of what could be put in the bomb. They don't have any tangible, I mean, they have the material, but they just haven't assembled it yet. So even that takes time. So, you know, and again, it comes back to the ticking time bomb, literally. Literally, no <laughs> pun intended. The, the whole story that's like keeping everything so fast-paced because everything is rushed right now. And, I mean, hopefully we'll see a lot of the tests that go on. Well, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, I'm watching the show about bombs. I want to see a bomb test. Yeah, I want it's to see been test. 6 weeks. Let's that see a test. That doesn't blow up in Frank's face. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't blow up in Frank's face or get swallowed by Fritz. Yeah. Um, but that's and that's the funny thing too and that's the interesting thing is the idea of being rushed. The Americans are already rushed. Frank and Fritz and them are already working around the clock. If the Germans are 8, 10, 12 weeks ahead, that's 8, 10, 12 weeks. you got to make up even more around the clock to be even more rushed. And, Marissa, when you're rushed, what happens? You make mistakes. Totally. Haste is waste. But if Haste you think is waste. Haste is waste. But if you think about it, um, Frank's bomb, we know, because the woman did the crunching on the numbers, it will save them 12 weeks. So if they did it 
if they just went with Frank's project, good call. They'd be caught up with the Germans already. Good call. That's a really good call. Assuming there, Frank's project is the right way. Yes. I think in our hearts we know that we Frank's know. team's doing it right and Eccles is not. But there could still be weird wrinkles. But you're right. That but twelve weeks they, thing. Yeah. If they go straight with Frank's idea, they could catch up. And, and there makes up the twelve weeks. And the important, the really important relationship here is Frank and Cox finally warming up to each other. And Frank and Cox kind of being like. I don't like you. You don't like me. We have a common problem. Wait a minute. This is a real problem? Okay, you know what? Let's team up. And we have personal issues, and I'm Cox, and I think Sid Lau is a spy, and I'm Frank, and I think you're a douchebag. It doesn't it's, matter. It's the bureaucratic system and the whole pissing contest. There's like, I'm better than you, and you're better than, you yeah. know. And is if they got over their high horses, they would could get stuff done. And, that's, and Frank is seen as such an outsider by everybody. If a guy like Colonel Cox gets on his side, who's the next guy in the military to get on his side? Who's the next guy? Because it ain't that far from Oppenheimer. If Colonel Cox and some of these other people truly get on Frank's side, Oppenheimer at some point does turn around and say, you know what? That crazy Frank's team is right. Let's put more resources to them. Mm -hmm. Here we go. And that's when they save the 12 weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Well, Frank can also make another friend with the medic. With the doctor? With the doctor there. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Because that doctor who Frank was very contentious with is Mm -hmm. now... On his side, because the doctor realizes he knows as little as Frank does. As Frank does. Yeah. That they're literally pointing each other, and they're going around in circles. Which, by the way, that doctor scene was heartbreaking with uh, with Fritz and them drinking and whatever, and blowing plutonium when they're drunk <laughs> yeah. and getting the read on it. But that was a heartbreaking scene to have Fritz say, you know, here, have a beer. And the doc's just kind of like, I can't. And the doctor's face is mm-hmm. like, I think you're actually going to die. Yeah. Like, this is what happens when you swallow plutonium. Even a small amount. And even when the doctor was saying that, like, I only had one week training in radiology, I'm like, then what are you doing in that position? Who put you there? Which, you know, which we find out the answers. But the fact that he himself even knew he was underqualified for that position just shows that there everything that's going on he still doesn't know despite how high of a rank he he has there and how little importance they put on health and obviously this is this is something very general in in decades past in industry and business and stuff like that there was no osha there was no occupational health and safety there's no you know like what we do for soldiers ptsd wise now falls way short of what they need but it's so much more than it used to be and we talked about it with dunlavy and what he's going through and this is another example there's no concern for health it's wartime we need results we need the bomb to get made Uh, these people might suffer from radiation whatever we'll put a doctor there he doesn't know what he's doing let's just put it there to make it happen we got to get the results sacrifice the few yeah you know but, the problem is you're sacrificing the smartest few. I know that that is very <laughs> true. But also, even back in that time, and you know, like a humongous difference from nowadays, that like even if they did have all these conditions, they didn't have the treatment for it. Yeah, like we do today. So yeah, if, the treatment of plutonium is happened, drinking beer. If, I mean, that's a, an awesome prescription. I was going to say, I'll I'll lie and say I swallowed <laughs> some plutonium. 20, I mean, 24 milligrams, my bad. You'll feel better in like 24 hours. <laughs> but the the fact that like. If a condition or any health problems come up, it's basically you could do this or you're going to die. It was like they only had a few options. Yeah. Not as many clear-cut options that we have today. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Predictions are going to be fun. Before we do that, though, we don't have news and gossip today. We have social media, I guess social we'll call media. it. I don't know if we have, like, a, a sound for social media. <laughs> no. I don't know. Whatever. We'll go with news. We'll go with news. Sure, that works. Because in a way, it is news. It's news from you guys at home. So, Marissa, what do you have? All right. So last week, uh, I asked on our after show that, um, you know, there there was the situation where, remember when Babu was talking about the um, sexual story, if a woman, if a man screws a woman more often, I was like, would they use that vernacular in that terminology? 
terminology back in the Ooh, 1940s. It's like that seems a little too brash for that time period. And I asked, um, would they be more, um, you know, have more tact back then? And then Moody Lupin, thank you, Moody Lupin, for uh, commenting back. This is on YouTube, right? This is on YouTube. She, uh, she says, uh, I think absolutely, um, sorry, as I'm going through the comments, uh, <laughs> she, she had a lot to say. But um, she says, the major's attitude towards Liza and all, all that, and you know, just the women in general, that that he would think that the work in Manhattan was more valuable than anything women could ever do, and just uh, and also uh, call the shots thirteen. Thank you very much. Uh, I really love. He says I really love Frank's team, and also I looked up the forty slang and screw up as as in mistake, was used back in that time. But he couldn't find the source that, say, screwing women was, like, more used in that time. So just thinking, I, to, to answer that, I still don't think that they would use, you know, screwing women as that terminology in the vernacular back then. Yeah. But um, it just, you know, just the historical accuracy in the written speech. Interesting. I, I, would, have, interesting. I would have never even thought of that. Yeah. To even think about it. I mean, it, it just kind of, I felt it was just too brash when he was telling the story. And I'm like, yeah. I don't believe that. Huh. But thank you, uh, Moody Lupin and Call the Shots 13 for commenting. We love, love listening and reading all your um, opinions. And they think we're doing a great job. Awesome. We need to get a professor of like etymology or whatever words, a study of words to tell yeah. us about. Because you've seen things online. Have you, I don't know if you've ever seen, I think it's on Thought Catalog or some website. It's like a hundred slang phrases from the 20s. It's fascinating. Uh-huh. It's so uh-huh. fascinating. Print it off and you'll start using them. But I, I know they have a hundred slang phrases from the 40s, from World War II. We should mm-hmm. look that up. That's a good thing. We should. I'm going to write that down. And while I'm writing that down. Be a bit archaic, you know. It'd be cool. But it would Bring be cool. It back. Bring it back. Everything's We're back cool. there. I learned last night on, on the Kardashians after show that vintage wedding dresses are back in. So if vintage is back in fashion, vintage is back in vocabulary. Bring it back. There you're not. And Why you not? know, wedding dresses used to be yellow instead of white. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you history go. lessons all over. All right. Let's Random go facts. to uh, predictions. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. Writing down 100 phrases from the 1940s. I'm going to see if I can find something like that. Maybe we can find phrases on sex. I'm sure they have them. I know that they have them. Oh, I'm sure they do. Especially guys in a bar. They definitely had ways <laughs> to talk about it. Um, as they always will. All right, so let's go to predictions. What do you got for us? And don't give me something obvious like Abby's going to get her butt touched by a guy because we totally saw well, that. Well, we totally know that's going <laughs> to happen. But the thing is, okay, I I predicted that Abby and Charlie's relationship was going to get rocky because no relationship is that perfect, mm-hmm. and there it is. We have that. Um, I, I want to see the Germans do a test because right now we're we just see like one quick glimpse of the journey, yeah. but I want to actually go to another – so-called Manhattan Project, and see what they're working on. So I, I think we're going to see more of that because they hinted at it a little bit. But other than that, I mean, not really. I think Dunleavy coming, because like, we haven't seen him in a couple episodes. He's going to come back, and we're going to see Callie get more, I say, with Frank's more trouble. Yeah, Absolutely. That's, those are good predictions. I think Abby and Charlie are kind of an obvious prediction. I think another prediction for me, and I don't quite know where it fits in, but Remember where we drop these bombs in real life. I want to start seeing the Japanese. And I don't yeah. know if we see them in war because they were had a very unique way of fighting on very, you know, a couple different fronts from the air and on and on and ground and on the South sea. Pacific. 
Um, but I want to start seeing the Japanese. I don't know if we track a story in like a Nagasaki or Hiroshima or track a family or if we track Japanese scientists who might have been doing something similar. But I think at some point, I know the Germans and Hitler's the big bad guy. Oh, I thought. But I want to I want to see the Japanese a little bit because that's where the bombs are going to end up. That That is true. And also to go back to the Germans, I think we're going to see because we know during the whole Manhattan Project that the Nazis tried to sabotage Manhattan Project a few more. And, you know, there were a lot of operations in tonight's episode. We saw uh, that the men the name Magpie, you know, who was, uh, uh, who, like, I believe helped with the operation, one of the last few operations that the Nazis tried to take over and sabotage Manhattan Project. So I think, I think it'd be cool if we saw the Nazis try to, you know, stop whatever's going on in Los Alamos. And Dunleavy saves the day again. First against Japanese spies like Sid Lau, then against the Nazis. What about that, uh, white dove at the start of the show, too? That white, whatever. Oh, the symbolism, I Total. find. I find it very interesting because mm-hmm. they know we know that there's going to be a lot of fatalities with these these bombs that they're creating, but also the fact that the symbolism because there is death, there's still life is going to go on. Yeah, there there is hope for a better life. We'll see. We'll see. I can't wait, man. All right, let's do social media links and stuff like that, Marissa. Where can they find you on Twitter or maybe Snapchat? I don't have Snapchat. <laughs> I will not have Snapchat ever. I you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Serafini TV. I am on Twitter at Bobby Demiro, Instagram at Mr. Bobby Demiro, and I will give out my Snapchat since you were <laughs> such a party pooper. If you have Snapchat, send me a snap. Just my name, Bobby Demiro on there. I will snap you back. Um that's it this week on Manhattan. We'll be back next Monday like normal for our next episode. Only Four episodes to go in the first season. Yeah. So it's coming to a head right now. I can't wait to see what happens. Marissa, thank you. Finally, we're back together. We're back together. I know. Team Team Bobby Bobby, Marissa. Marissa. There you go. Yes. That's it this week on Manhattan, guys. We'll see you a week from today. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. This after show is brought to you by Walmart Savings Catcher. Walmart's new savings catcher is the simple and easy way to save. Just go to walmart.com slash savings catcher to enter your receipt.